Hey friends, and welcome to the Talk Podcast. We believe that all change starts with a conversation, a talk that sparks an idea, convicts or creates a movement. The talk seeks to foster real, relatable, and relevant conversations that not only challenge, equip, and empower its listeners to be agent of change. As an extension of joy of it, we look to find points of intersection in a divided world. No topic is off limits, and all people and opinions are welcome. We believe we represent Jesus best together, acknowledging all voices and talking through those things that disrupt our unity. When we are united, we can do great things, and it all starts with a talk. Welcome to the table. Hello, 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 friends, and welcome to another talk podcast from your Joy of It team. As you all know, my name is Ashley Bell, and I am your host. And today, I have a very special guest with me. It's actually my friend, Ruben Alvarado, who is actually the first man to be on our podcast. Oh, hello. hey, <laughs> hello. Ashley. Hello, hello. Welcome, Reuben. Welcome. Um, I'm so glad that you are here. Um, I appreciate you so much. And we're going to be talking about all the things today. But before we get started, Reuben, mm-hmm. I want to ask you some get to know you questions. Okay. Because right. there are people listening. They don't know who Reuben is, you know, and maybe there's things that I don't know about Reuben. It's probably a lot of things there I don't know are about Ruben. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do this. Okay. So let's play a little game that I like to call five for five. All right. And you know, I made this game up. So sometimes it makes <laughs> sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Those are the best games. But yeah, All exactly. Right. And there's no winner or loser, oh. you know? So it's just kind of like to beat questions. you though. I know right. you do. That is true. We'll, we'll save some stories about that later, <laughs> but So five for five is what happens is I say five things and you answer them in five questions, in in five seconds. Five seconds. All right. I know you only have, you only have a very short time Mm. to think about it. It could be five seconds, five minutes. Let's just say five seconds. All right. I don't want you to go on and on about these things. I mean, you know how I go. Okay. I know. I know. I'll try. Here we go. I'm not looking at a timer. So, I mean, who's (laughs) keeping track of the time? No one. So you have to name all of these things. You should get them correct because they're about you. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So here we go. Five for five. Favorite food. Pho. Favorite color. Blue. Favorite movie. Willow. Oh, we're going to talk about <laughs> that later. Favorite hobby. Drawing. Oh, favorite book. Mm, that's so hard. I like one to of read. Your favorite, one of your favorites. So there's this great book on disability theology called Becoming Friends of Time. It's a beautiful book about slow discipleship, walking with people, um, kind of a slow and real way. Love that book. I love that. What's it called again? Becoming Friends of Time. Becoming Friends of Time. I'm going to have to read that. Yes. And we're going to be talking about that too today. Just friends with disabilities and how the church can be better at including them and loving them. But let's go back to Willow. (laughs) 
because you said out of all the movies yeah. that first popped into your mind. Now, I got to make sure I'm thinking about the right movie. You know, I'm a little weird. Yeah. All right. But I wasn't expecting you to say <laughs> Willow. I feel like I've only seen it once, so I'm not going to be too judgmental about it. But it's the one with Tom Cruise, right? Is Tom Cruise? No. Is he a fairy? No. What is Willow? I mean, you're you're in the right genre, right? It's like this, but there's this world where there's I'm like have to Google this while oh, we're yeah. oh, talking. Yeah. So it's got okay. Val Kilmer in it. Val, Val Kilmer. Kilmer, yeah, and he's helps this. Um, there's these different realms where different groups of people oh. live, and they find a baby. And they have to take this bit baby as the princess and they have to carry and, you know, take care that of this princess and carry the what princess. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay. It's a really fun movie. I loved it as a kid. But when I tried to get it, like, I don't know, it was like four Christmases ago. I was like, Jen, I really, Jen's my wife. Yeah. I was like, I really want Willow. And so afterwards she told me, she was like, you know how hard this was to find? She goes, I had to find like this copy from another country um, because like nobody had it. And now of course it's like available on Disney plus, but this was before yeah, Disney plus. I just saw plus, that so. it was available mm-hmm. on Di- Wow. Okay. I'm going to have to watch you, that again because yeah. maybe I've never seen it. I mean, it's probably, I, I've seen it recently. It's not the best movie, but it's just <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> well, that's probably how people feel about the movie that I liked as a kid, Never Ending Story. Oh, I love Never Ending Story. Which is right. very near and dear, close yeah, to my heart. Which not. I feel like is in the same realm. Maybe came out around hmm. the same I think so. time I think as so. Willow. Yep. I'm going to have to watch Willow. I don't yes. know what Tom Cruise movie I was thinking of. I have no idea what you're talking about. Sometimes I make stuff up. <laughs> yeah, I know so that. So there's that. Yeah, <laughs> you, you do know that. Ruben and I, for those of you who are listening, have been friends for well maybe i should say i don't know were we were we friends yeah yeah okay good good (laughs) i'm glad he agreed that takes the pressure off ruben and i have been friends for like what seven eight years yeah yeah a while he and his family who i love and adore his wife and his son so tell us ruben like how did you come about coming to portland oregon because you're not from here just like me yep yeah I'm from a little town in Northern California called Weed, okay. California. Woo, woo, weed. Come on. <laughs> and um, yeah, super small town. And we came to Portland um, to come to seminary. So we were, went to Multnomah University. Mm-hmm. But while I was in Weed, you know, I was pastoring at the time and I was at a nonprofit um, that was a vocational training program mm-hmm. for adults with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just sensing God's call to continue on in ministry, vocational ministry. And so we, we moved up here to come to seminary and just fell in love with the city and have been here since. Ever since I've been here. We are grateful that you are here. What is something unique about weed that you could tell our listeners who maybe have never heard of it before because I know I did not know that weed California was was a thing until yeah. I met you and right. Jimmy right so what it what is something what is what is it famous for like fascinatingly enough it's so funny here in Portland as I meet more and more pastors and get to know more people people are like oh you're the dude from weed like before I even meet them That's I'm like funny. right so you no so one, you, yeah, were, I, you were what <laughs> made put weed on the map it makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> yep. So anyway, Weed is this beautiful little mill town at the base of Mount Shasta in way northern California. So it's like some people think Northern Cali and they're like 
San Francisco. But like, uh-huh. no, this is like way up. It's like the scenery is way more like Oregon. It's uh-huh. like all wooded. There's lakes and great camping and fishing and, you know, all of that. So uh-huh. it's beautiful scenery, um, great place to grow up. Um, and fascinating thing about the town though, is that um, while I was growing up there, it was like, in the top five for diversity mm. in, per capita of any city in California. So oh, like top wow. five, but there were four, four mills, I think at one point, they're down to one, but that it was this mill town that had all these, like a door company and, a, you know, yeah, different mills that did different things with all of the wood that was around. Like it just drew a lot of different people. And so we had this very diverse community. Um, mm. And only being 3,000 people strong, but it meant we were, you know, all in the same schools together, growing up in the same churches together, yeah. all of that. Yeah. So when you came to Portland, were you like, huh, this area is super divor- d- diverse? <laughs> I was almost divorced. <laughs> Not the same thing. Diverse or, huh, it's missing something. Yeah. No, it was the second one, you know, something's yeah. missing. And for, for me, um, like growing up in weed, there was a large Latino population yeah. and specifically Mexican. That's my family's from yeah. Mexico. Um, I'm third generation. And while I was there, you know, but I'm, I'm biracial. So my yeah. mom is, is Caucasian. And so my skin is lighter, but being part of both communities, I yeah. fit in, in both communities. Yeah. And, and everyone knew I was, I was biracial and they knew my family and we have this long history. So like with the Mexican community, like every wedding I went to until I was like 23 was a Mexican wedding. I'd never mm. been to a white wedding till I was like 23. And I was like, these are boring. And you're not talking about that, <laughs> that one, that one song lyric from that. Who's that singer? Billy Idol. Something about a white wedding. <laughs> no, no, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about You're that. Not talking yeah, about yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Although maybe that's what he's no. Uh, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Billy Idol, if you are listening, I'm sure you are not. Please explain <laughs> that song lyric Absolutely. to us. But yeah, coming to Portland, you know, there's a part of me that's invisible here because you know what I found was it's a primarily white city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people see my skin color and mm-hmm. hear my voice and go like, okay, you know, white guy. Yeah. Um, and yet there's, yeah. So there's a, a part of the last nine years for me of discovering what does that mean for me? How do I live into who I am in a space like this that um, maybe doesn't have all the categories for, you know, biracial people to fit yeah. and be themselves completely. So how have you, and these aren't these aren't the questions that, that I planned that we would that yeah, we would talk right. about. But I'm I'm interested because I think what you're saying hits home for me too. Being an African American female mm-hmm. working in predominantly white spaces, living in predominantly white city, of how have you like leaned into or been able to incorporate all of all of your roots into what you, what you do. Yeah. I mean, it's an ongoing process. I think here, um, I've realized it being biracial, experiencing diversity and unity in my own family and experiencing what white privilege is Mm -hmm. personally, um, as compared to some of my family, like to then be in a white space, Mm -hmm. it gives me a voice of experience to talk to in white spaces mm-hmm. um, about privilege yeah. um, in a somewhat disarming way, I think, you know, yeah. um, 
and to be able to draw people along into that. And so that's one way I've been able to tap in. Yeah. And so while there's like cultural parts, I wish I could continue to, you know, um, experience yeah. and be part of, um, there's that part of it growing up. Yeah. It's a huge part for me, discovering what it is God's using me for here and, yeah. and, and how. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. growing up in California but I I mean I would think like you don't have to share share something from your childhood necessarily because I'm sure there have been pain points in your adulthood as you've transitioned from weed Mm -hmm. to Portland Oregon but are there in your story are there any like pain points either from your childhood or from adulthood that you feel like have shaped you and can you can you share what exactly you took away mm-hmm. from that moment, that season that helped shape who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Childhood. So my parents also have um, two different faith traditions. So mm. my dad is Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom had married my dad, you know, when she was 16 and became Catholic in order mm-hmm. to do so. But then when she met Christ, she chose a Pentecostal church to go to. And so I remember going to mass in the mornings. And then at night, my mom would collect my sisters and I, and we'd like go to one of our bedrooms and we'd sing like the couple of songs she knew, like go tell it on the mountain or something, and then read those little arch books. And so like Mm. I had both of those experience with church. And what I found though, was the more I got serious about um, pursuing more evangelical faith that Catholic tradition, all of my friends, my family, people there um, Mm -hmm. saw that as me leaving them, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that it was a choice to like go away from. But then what I heard as I stepped more into the evangelical world was those people talking about how the Catholic people I love and know and that are my family are not part of the church. And so like I witnessed this division in the church and it made me question a lot of things as like a young person going like, so like... I was baptized in both. I thought I was doubly blessed, but I think Mm. I'm like not. (laughs) If I hear these people right, you know, they've either all left the church or they're all not the church. Like, and it was just really hard to like witness a divided church as a little guy trying to figure that out and know what does that mean? Because all of these adults in my life on both sides are saying these things about the other. And it just didn't seem um, right because what I witnessed in my home was love, unity, and diversity. I'm like, why can't we do that out there? Like, why is that so hard? Um, And I think looking back, what I know I've taken from it, I don't know that I fully got it, but was that diversity and unity is not only possible, but it's actually the reality of the kingdom. Yes, say more, say more, yes. (laughs) (laughs) yes. That it's not just something we, like my parents didn't just pretend to have unity. I'm right. sure they had their arguments. I'm sure they had their stuff, but they loved each other and they had unity and they supported mm-hmm. each other. Like mm-hmm. really. And they supported each other's faith and they like went to each other's churches at times. And it's like witnessing that and recognizing we can do that for each other. Yeah. And you know, God builds a diverse and beautiful kingdom. Yeah. And we shouldn't tear it down by holding on to disunity. We actually like need to let go of disunity yeah. in order to hold on to unity. And so that's a lesson for sure that I carry with me. I think every time I either witness this unity or when I'm tempted to be, you know, to, to, to hold on to this unity. Yeah, that's good. So the, the two things, so because I think you and I were, were talking about this before we started Mm -hmm. 
recording was like a, a pet peeve of mine is not that you you did this, but I think we in in our culture, we've particularly Christian culture, we throw around terms and we assume that people know mm. what they what they mean or what what we are describing them yeah. as. Um and so you said two terms and I love that you brought this up because I, I think we often prescribe to a, a false unity mm-hmm. and claim that it is unity. <laughs> a false unity for me is like, oh, okay, everybody has to agree on everything and that's and that's unity. And that's not actually what unity is. Right. So I I want you to kind of in your best words, in a Reuben way, describe to people listening who may or may not be Christian, what is unity when we talk about it from a Christian uh, point of view? Great question. Yeah. I think for me, it unity has to include diversity. Yeah. Otherwise, then if it's if everything's the same, if every person's the same, if every experience is the same, um, you might have a version of unity, mm-hmm. but it's not um, the biblical picture. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think right. what we see in the biblical picture, especially in the New Testament, with the idea of God in Christ in Jesus Christ undoing our dividing lines yeah. right? and saying yeah. no longer are these divisions that humans divide over present church, you know, in God's body, in Christ's body. Um, And so that's the reality that Christ sets up for the church. And I think, to be honest, a lot of times the world does it better than the church, Mm. right? And it's like, this is the reality we're supposed to have in the church. And yet we often still hold on to divisions um, because we hold things up as being more important than they are maybe. Take ourselves more seriously than we are. Don't see each other as we should see each other. And are unwilling to change, quite frankly. Absolutely. We're unwavering. (laughs) Yeah, I'm convinced of my own rightness. And if I am, then I'm also kind of convinced of your own, of your wrongness. Yes. And And there's no way to approach that together anymore. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think unity um, has to include diversity. So that's the first one. And I think it has to include humility. If I see myself correctly and I see you correctly, Mm -hmm. I think we can actually have unity together. Mm -hmm. But if I see you as someone who challenges me or is going to harm my faith or harm me in some way or hurt my family, whatever the the barrier is, um, if that's how I see you, then I'm going to choose to divide from you. And I think often what colors our picture of the other is how I view myself. And mm. if I think of myself too highly than I ought, right, which is a scriptural, mm-hmm. right. uh, you know, Jesus right. talks about not, to, not do to do that. that. Yeah. And and yet we do, it's kind of a human thing to mm. self-protect, think I'm more important than I am, you know, see myself as always right, see myself as having the right experiences and opinions and all of those things that, that it makes me view the other with almost an immediate distrust. And I don't know that we can have unity when that's the starting place. So I think unity, true unity has to be a letting go Mm -hmm. and like a rooting out of all the ways that my views of myself and other yeah. Color that to the point where unity is impossible. Does that yeah. does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, okay. You know, if I can, this is me snapping <laughs> right now. And if I could snap my left hand, I'd snap both hands, but I can't. 
Um, I completely agree. Wait, wait, like you physically you can't snap I physically, your Yeah, I can't. I know that. Wow. I know. I, I try, but nothing happened. This is me trying right yeah, now. Audience, that's kind of just sad. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, and nothing has happened. And that is Ruben laughing at me <laughs> because I can't. I can't snap my left hand. Yeah. Um, but You should I, see it. It's a little no, bit no, sad, no. but it's all right. <laughs> it would probably bring a tear to your eye. It is very sad. But I completely agree with with what you just said. And thank you for sharing that. I think that's clarifying for people who are listening that often hear that term or have been challenged to live into unity in a very divided season, but have actually struggled to be like, well, what, what is that? What are we looking for? Like, what, what does Mm -hmm. that look like? So that's very helpful. And then the, the other term that I heard you use was evangelical, which is, Mm is a, a dirty word. Um, <laughs> it is a dirty, rotten, stinking word. I'm kidding, but that's how people view it, yeah. um, that it is now become a dirty word. And for some reasons, rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, we've yep. done we've done a disservice, I think, as mm-hmm. Christians to some of these terms because of how we've used them and what we have represented as we've yep. called ourselves these things or we've said yep. we've unified but what is your best definition of evangelical or what mm. one should be? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, I mean, that's such a great question. Yeah. And I feel like um, the term itself has become a reason evangelicals divide from each other. A 100%. Um, yeah. It's a very hot kind yeah. of topic because we, have lots of different views on, on what yeah. that means, I think. Yeah. I mean, the term itself, right? So you've got evangelism or this idea that we spread the gospel and that is core yeah. to, to what yep, we to believe, faith. you know, yeah. to our faith that we um, are going to share the good news of Jesus Christ into the world. Mm-hmm. But the term alone, I think, even colors what we mean by evangelism, mm-hmm. you know, and then we become like a movement that has to um, do that at any cost. Mm-hmm. And that's not, we're talking about you know and so we've ended up building these big kind of like evangelical kingdoms if you will Mm -hmm. you know in various cities and places to kind of like um programs things to like move it forward when i think like it's more personal than that right yeah like it's about person to person sharing the hope that's within us like that's what Peter talks about in his letter you know sharing the hope that's within you um and so I believe that that is core to what an evangelical needs to be. Mm. Are going to share our faith, um, mm. and then fundamentally, it's faith in Jesus Christ as yep. our Savior, as the hope for the world, as the light for the world. And I believe that those two things, if we continue to live evangelicalism the way we live it, I don't know that either one of those gets communicated to the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so. I like to actually keep it rather simple. There's so many other things we could add to it and explain, but I think at its core, if we try to live out, we are changed people because we know Jesus Christ in our life. Yeah. And we live that out into the world so that we become peacemakers, people who love, people who seek unity. Like, and we just follow him, Yeah, you know? And, and so I try to just keep it as simple as that. Yeah. It's great. Thank you. That That's so, that is clarifying for us because sometimes we feel like I, I know for me and people our age we have 
tried to separate ourselves mm-hmm. from some of these terms. Yep. I think I'm I'm at the point of like, no, let's res- let's restore yeah. the right meaning to the word yep. and reflect it accurately. And yep. so being able to say, no, I am an evangelical. It is it yeah. is part of who I am, but I want to do it in a way that is not that does not misrepresent Jesus. And part of the issue has been that we, we as the church have done it in such a way that has misrepresented the heart of of Jesus. And we need to apologize and and correct that. Absolutely. And move forward in, in a better way. So thank, thank you for. And really quick, if I can, I think what you said about, you know, wanting to move away from the term or wanting to redeem mm-hmm. it. Like, I think I find myself in that space too. And where I'm currently at is, is that, that, that it's worth redeeming the, the names, right? but also they're just names. Right. And if it's better for it to go so that we can represent Christ better, yeah. then let's do that. Yeah. But what I'm kind of seeing in the church is let's let it go so that we aren't tied to a certain group of people, but we're really not interested in changing our ways either. So we're just going to call ourselves something else that in 20 years, everyone's disgusted with. (laughs) No, yes, yes. It's like, we cannot rewrite the dictionary, okay? We cannot, or rewrite the Bible. Like, I mean, you know, yes, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah, that is, it's exactly what we do. I mean, we've done the, the same word sometimes, you know, the word, Disciple or discipleship can be a dirty word mm-hmm. as well. And it's like, well, what what else do you say? Yeah. Like what? Yep. We have to say the word, <laughs> but yeah, we, we have to make sure that we're, we're doing the word justice. Yes, absolutely. And viewing it the way that Jesus would, yep. would view it and, and talk about it. And so, yes, I, I appreciate you saying that because that is absolutely what we do. And it's a temptation every day I know. to do that. Absolutely. Let's just get rid of the term. Absolutely. Stop using it. Let's use something else. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, I, I love, I love that. And so, this last part, I think, this is the last question before we're going to take a, a brief pause because okay. I think we're going to have to do a part two. All right, Ruben. I'm like, this this get to know Ruben part has has morphed into so many other things. We've, it has. We've, we've covered taken, a lot already. We've covered a lot of topics, <laughs> and I think we need a deep dive yeah. into some of those. So we definitely have to do a part two to give our listeners a little break in Great. case they're getting tired. But before we do that. I want to ask you, maybe this is a more fun question. Yeah, all right. What are you, well, it's two questions. What What do you do for like fun, mm-hmm. you know? And what are some things that you're passionate about? And maybe yeah. those things are one and the same. Sure. So, yeah. Sure. One of those crossovers, right? My family. Yeah. I'm super passionate yeah. about my family, but we yeah. enjoy doing some things together like board games. We yeah. love board games. Saturday, Sabbath times are yeah. generally a nice breakfast and then playing some board games throughout yeah. the day. Yeah. Um, love that. So we've got some favorites um, yeah. that, we're, that we're playing right now. I love to like... Art is a big thing for me. Um, mm. Drawing is really mm. big. My dad was an art teacher for 36 years. So I didn't know that. Yeah, it was super cool. It, like in the summer times when he would get his budget to like buy new things, uh-huh. you know, so we would get the benefit of him trying out some of his new stuff. Yeah. So like I remember the year he bought a kiln and then we went as a family and bought a bunch of 
play and we just yeah. created stuff all summer long and would go fire it so he could learn how to do it. So art's yeah. big for me, super passionate about that. And just, wow. it tends to be for myself, like for my own growth, my own mm-hmm. processing. It's just something I kind of do in the, the quietness. Yeah. Baseball, love baseball. Okay, yeah. Okay. Ruben right now is wearing a, a 42 yes, I am. baseball cap. Jackie Robinson. Uh-huh, Jackie yeah. Robinson. He, um, yeah, he's he's a big baseball <laughs> fan. Yep, I think big. baseball is boring. Oh. Don't hate me. I know. I do. Actually, we'll watch but a game together. It. We'll watch oh, a game together. No. Like we'll go live. We'll take the family. We'll go watch oh, a live yeah. game. Okay. Okay. And then you'll I, then you'll yes. be in love. Yes. Live. Yes. Okay. I, yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> But who's your favorite team? The Dodgers. The yes. Dodgers. Okay. I've been a lifetime Dodger fan. Love it. Yeah. And yep. So watch, watch them all. Did you play baseball growing up? I did. Yep. Up through part of high school and then I quit and are I there, coached my son. Are there positions in baseball? You there see, I know, are. I know nothing about baseball. Yeah. That's what you see how right. dumb that question was. Are <laughs> it's there, fine. Are there positions in I baseball? Mean, it's it's dumb, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. I played second base. Um, and sometimes pitcher, but I hated being the pitcher to be honest, because like all eyes were on you and like, if you failed, yeah, I just, as a little dude, I did not like the pressure. I was like, put me, put me somewhere you for ministry. Maybe. Yeah. You didn't even know. Maybe that's why sometimes I'm still like, I don't like the pressure. <laughs> I don't like the pressure. That's, that's it. So yeah. It shouldn't be so much pressure. Right. So, right. Yeah. 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 Oh, and that's good. What was the other part of that question? So there was, what am um, I passionate fun, about? Fun, fun thing. What do you do for fun and what are you passionate about? Right. Okay. So yeah. I think we covered the fun stuff for the yeah. most part. The passion. Yeah. There's definitely crossover there. Theologically, um, mm. disability theology is a big thing mm. for me. And then I would just say people, like people are a passion for me. And mm. I, ever since I was small, just kind of noticed, I guess maybe we could say like the forgotten, you know, yeah. the people who others forget. And it's just been... Um, something that's just been part of like what God's always shown me. And so I find myself passionate about living that out and helping yeah. helping others do that. Um, that we would mm-hmm. see people who exist in our society and aren't aren't really seen, aren't really known. Yeah, I I love that about you, Ruben, because you can definitely um if you've ever spent time with Ruben. Most of you haven't, um, but if you ever get the opportunity to spend time with he and him and his family, you definitely get the feeling that they are incredibly hospitable and they value people. They value who they are. Mm. They seek to know them more. They seek to love people well. And so I, yeah, highly admire you mm. for that. Thank you. And, and so this is actually a good kind of cut off point um, as we prepare to close part one off and jump into part two with Ruben and talk more about disability theology and what it means to love and value people. So we're going to sign off right now. Thank you guys for listening to part one with Ruben Alvarado. Hey, you can find us anywhere where you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to look us up on the internet at www.joyofit.org or www.frenzy.org. We will see you for part two.